You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 256. But really, at the end of the day, your mess, you know, my personal mess is really my message. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash wholesaling inc. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or even MP3 player, it is a no-brainer. To take advantage of this special offer, again, go over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash wholesaling inc. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. You're listening to another episode here on Wholesaling Inc. My name is Cody Hoffheim and I'm going to be hosting today's episode and I want you guys to get ready for a rock star rhino that's been in the tribe for a little over a year now and he's living in Napa Valley, California. Today we have Mr. Mike Bolin with us and he is going to deep dive some of the things that he's doing with his wholesaling real estate business. And it's going to blow your mind. This guy is doing things different than just a typical wholesaling business. And so tune in and listen. All you young entrepreneurs that are getting involved and you're like, man, how do I turn this on to like beast mode? This is the episode to be listening to. Get your pen, get your piece of paper, and get ready to jot down some gold nuggets because this guy has been on fire for many, many years. He has an amazing background where he's always been an entrepreneur and he just wanted to be able to find ways to get money working for him. He came across great deals at a young age and he just wanted his money to continue working for him. And he's going to share how he's been able to do that with wholesaling. So let's bring on Mr. Mike Bowen from Napa Valley. Mike, my man, how the heck are you? How are you? Dude, it is an honor to have you on the podcast. Me and you get to see each other a few times a year, and yeah, I'm always interested to hear what you're doing because every time I meet you, you you just know how to make money, and I, I love it. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. I mean, you're in Airbnbs. You do some interesting things with high-end homes, and I'm just excited to have your story be shared on this podcast because it's, it's something unique. It's different from our typical podcast episode. Absolutely. You know, I... And I appreciate you having me on. I, I kind of think of myself, and I've had some members of the tribe refer to me this way. I'm not in my 20s any longer, unfortunately. And, <laughs> I'm not as good as I once was. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I always joke that I'm still 27, but, you know, I've been 27 for quite a few years. I, you know, I like to think of myself as kind of a, you know, an elder statesman of the uh, wholesaling, Inca, you know, uh, tribe. But, um, 
you know, I have been at uh, real estate and entrepreneurship for for many, many years. And, Let's break uh, that down. I want to hear a little bit about your background and get them involved, our listeners, Rhino Nation, to understand a little bit about because your story is so cool. Like I, I love listening to how things started off for you right early, at an early, early age. Let's break it down and help them understand a little bit about your background. Sure, you bet. So, you know, and I will say this too, that I think there's really great lessons here for both, you know, the younger folks out there, you know, coming up, the, the guys are getting into entrepreneurship. I mean, you've got folks in the tribe that are still in college and are wholesaling a house or two. And then you've got some folks that are more advanced in their career, like myself, that maybe have uh, made a lot of money and are branching out into wholesaling or are some type of real estate investing. And so I think that there's, there's, there's two people or two different types of people that can pull information from what we're going to talk about today. So, so, so true. And you've had a successful run at real estate. That's why I love what you're going to bring to this podcast episode, because it's so different. Usually, usually... It's someone breaking like the corporate chains and, and maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck and, and they're looking for that financial freedom and wholesaling is that vehicle that allows them to do it. But that's not the case for you. You come from a background that's been, that's been heavily involved in real estate and has done well in real estate. So let's, let's break it down. Yeah. So, so, you know, kind of boil it down. I graduated from college, went to the University of Missouri, graduated from college and went in to work for uh, my father's business right out of college as a traveling salesman. My father had a restaurant furniture manufacturing business in Missouri. Okay. <laughs> that's so, uh, that's quite the mix. Is it all in one yeah. shop or is this like separate businesses? Uh, he had a, you know, manufacturing plant and, you know, had guys out, out on the plant floor and they would manufacture furniture for, you know, like Marriott hotels and restaurants and IHOPs and, you know, just different chain restaurants, you know, booths and tables yep. and chairs. And yep. so where I really got into my, I guess, honed my sales skills was, you know, they would fly me into Texas and they would say, okay, you know, here you got 60 bucks a night for a hotel and food and you're going to be here for three weeks and we want you to visit every single IHOP restaurant in the state of Texas and sell them a, a new furniture package, you know, new booths, new tables, new chairs. And so, you know, here I am right out of college calling on these restaurant owners, you know, these salty restaurant owners that, you know, own one IHOP for 45 years. So, you know, it was uh, it was a tough road to hoe, but that really honed my sales uh, acumen, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, somehow I ended up meeting a guy in Chicago who was the same age as me at the time. We were both, you know, mid-20s. And he had opened up an IHOP restaurant by himself with a few small loans and was doing really, really well with it. And so that was my first foray into both entrepreneurship and, you know, the real estate business was I found an old Perkins Pancake House in St. Louis, Missouri, and borrowed money from family and friends to buy that a defunct restaurant. It was closed and converted into an IHOP. And uh, I did that. And then subsequently did multiple restaurants after that, uh, all IHOPs. And I got in and the money was good. The problem was I didn't enjoy what I was doing. Were you the guy uh, that had to work like nonstop if you own these things? It's also you that's there nonstop or was it kind yeah, of absolutely. more of a pass? I mean, okay, you have okay. managers and stuff, but it just doesn't matter. I mean, the restaurant business is, it is, it's a grind. It's a grind. 
And when you own multiple locations, it's even more of a grind. And so I realized the restaurant business wasn't for me. And so I went to go put my first restaurant up for sale. I think I sold the business for $250,000 and I had paid 50 grand for the franchise. So I made a little bit of money on that. But the real money was made in selling the real estate. I had bought the building for, I believe it was $400,000. I probably put 100 grand into it and sold the building for like 1.5 million. Wow. So, so that's where I really got introduced into the real estate game, if you will. You know, are you still in your 20s when you sold this and you were already? Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 27, 28 years old when I sold the restaurant, the first restaurant and, um, you know, had made uh, my first million. So, you know, it was at that point, this, you know, I had this epiphany. I'm like, I've worked in these restaurants for hours and slaved and slaved away. And I sell the business and I don't get squat, but I sell this piece of real estate and I make far, far more money on that than I did on all of this tedious work, you know, in the restaurant. So, you know, at that point I realized, gee, I got to do something different. I got to do something in the real estate space. And so I kind of floundered around. I didn't work for you know, probably six months or a year. And, um, and then I just took like a, another job, you know, I was working for AT&T, just kind of trying to bide my time, figuring out what am I going to do? How do I get into real estate? And, um, you know, I got my haircut at the same place. Every time I needed a haircut, I'd always go to the same place. Same guy cut my hair in St. Louis that, you know, gave me my first haircut. So I've been going to the same place for, you know, you know, 27, 30 years, whatever it was. And, um, you know, everybody in town used to come through there. And so the United States congressman that represented our district got his hair cut there. And, you know, we got to talking one day and he was telling me about a a project that he was working on trying to get money for uh, to fix up this uh, railroad station in the little city that we lived in and going to get Amtrak, you know, to stop there and rehabilitate this train station. So I thought to myself, man, that seems like a great opportunity um, if they get that done. And so I started quietly buying up, you know, the little pizza restaurant, just the real estate, not the business, but the little pizza restaurant and the dog grooming shop and, you know, some multifamily vacant ground and small apartments and stuff around this train station. And um, turned out that, you know, the appropriations bill came through, they got the money. And uh, and then at the, simultaneously, this is 2004 or five, I don't remember. And so the real estate market was was just roaring at that time anyway. And so, here's so something I, that's crazy, though, Mike, like I'm sitting this and I'm like, it's not easy what you did. That was a risk, a high, high risk with what could be a great reward or a very big flop. So I want to make sure that people understand that this was not an easy game for you. This was something that took a lot of hustle and a lot of action and a lot of imperfect action, just hoping for the best, right? I mean, or did you in yeah, absolutely. Mind, I mean, this you, is going to be a slam dunk. You don't know, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, you know, there's, uh, you know, government works projects, you know, they work out or they don't work out. Um, you know, anybody can go, you know, onto the internet and search and see what's happening in your area. And you can talk to your congressman and, you know, you can go to public hearings and you can go to city council meetings and, you know, and all this stuff, but how much of that stuff really comes to fruition? I mean, everybody's got a great plan, right? But it doesn't always come to fruition. And even if it does come to fruition, does it, does it do what, you know, the entities think it's going to do? 
Yeah. And so, you know, the reality is I had to look at each one of those properties and say, hey, it'd be great if they go up in value, but if they don't, do they cash flow? And they all cash flow. You know, they made money um, off the tenants that were in them and uh, they were well-located properties. So whether it worked or not, it was still a calculated risk. Super smart. So you had more than one exit on this in the sense of, it wasn't a flop if this if this didn't work out. You also now owned real estate that cash flowed. That cash flowed that you could, you know, reposition, get the draw groomer out of there and clean the building up and get a higher quality, higher paying tenant in there. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at real estate. It's one of the things that I love about real estate is that it allows, you know, somebody who, you know, my mother is an artist. I am not an artist in the in the classical sense, but I do like to say that real estate is art in a lot of ways because five different people can walk onto a property and come up with five different great ideas, so right? True. And so true. And so to be able to to do that it really is an art in in itself. It, it, you have to be very creative and be able to see things that other people can't see with a piece of property. And that applies to wholesaling as well, and it applies to fix and flipping and everything, right? Um, you have to be able to look at something very critically and then come up with ideas that nobody else can. So anyway, so fast forward, I, I sold those properties in 2004 and five, um, and then I moved out to Napa Valley, California, you know, and I'm still here in Napa. So and those buildings ended years. up being a, a win for you. Did, you. did you time it right and it worked out right? Yeah, those buildings uh, turned out and those projects turned out to be huge wins for me. I mean, buildings that I had purchased for, you know, $85,000 or $150,000, you know, I was selling for, you know, 950 grand, 1.2 million, wow. that that type of margin. Wow. So so I came out to Napa with a lot of money um, and then, you know, got into a couple different businesses. I opened up an art gallery, bought a, a real estate brokerage and both of those businesses failed. Abject failures. Lost millions on those businesses. Wow. Wow. So and now the money that so you made in real estate, estate yeah. did it get you to start over from ground zero? Do you feel like you had to start all over again? Pretty much. I mean, I, you know, I like, you know, there's been many times I've had to reinvent myself. Then I got into doing, you know, just being a real estate agent and grew that into a very, very profitable business, you know, making anywhere from 600000 to a million dollars a year as a, as a real estate agent. And then started to get into some investing and stuff. Uh, realized again that real, being a real estate agent is a lot like owning a restaurant. You know, it's like Groundhog Day. Every time you sell a property, <laughs> you know, you're starting over again, I have right? to find a new client all over again. Exactly. So, you know, so that was... It, you know, I do want to say that everybody faces adversity and challenges. And, you know, I've listened to many, if not all of your your podcasts, you know, over the past couple of years. Yep. And it's interesting how some of your most successful people, um, you know, like uh, Matt Vukovic, yep. Uh, yep. you know, you have somebody who has a very interesting background and a challenging background and is able to... I guess, rise to the occasion. And I think that sometimes having a, you know, a punch in the face, if you will, really sharpens your resolve and your steely determination. I mean, I have been through, I've been through hell and back, you know, with a lot of stuff from losing the, uh, the business, um, you know, the art gallery, uh, didn't make it 
My, uh, I had three offices in my real estate brokerage. That didn't make it. I became a real estate agent and was very successful doing that. I over-delegated you know, and handed off a lot of my stuff to other people. And uh, we made some you know, mistakes. I should say I made some mistakes in running that business. Yeah. Um, I was forced by the state of California to surrender my real estate license you know, due to some technical errors that, yeah. uh, that we made. And so these you know, are all go- good points though, Mike, like you're bringing up some that everyone should be writing down right now. It doesn't come easy and it's never going to be easy. The road that brings you some of your greatest joys, greatest happinesses, your greatest successes is not an easy road and it never will be the easy road that lets you know you're actually on the right or the wrong path. If it's easy. It's that tough, it's that consistent pushback, it's that trial, it's that challenge that should also let you know you're on the right path. And you're saying things that are so, so true, but so powerful. It's these well, challenging it's, it's moments like, and trying moments that build us. Right. And you know, for the young guys out there, you have to realize that you're going to face a lot of adversity in life. I mean, I know when you're 22 or 26, you don't think that you know, and that everything's going fine. But life has a way of, you know, turning around and punching you in the face over and over again uh, for different things until you really figure out how to do things right. And uh, I mean, you know, I got kicked out of two colleges. I mean, I was a horrible student, you know, (laughs) Um, I had to surrender my real estate license. I've had failed businesses. I mean, you know, but really at the end of the day, your mess, you know, my personal mess is really my message. It's like, hey, you can go through all this crap and you just continue to make money, continue to do well. I mean, I've had people tell me, well, gee, Mike, you're making all this money in the real estate business uh, as a real estate broker. And now you can't do that anymore. So, I mean, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm really not. You know, it turned out it's like anything else. You know, you lose the a obstacle job. is the way. <laughs> yeah, the obstacle is the way. Isn't that awesome? And, it is. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I've always said to myself, and I was thinking about this last night. Now I was reading, um, you know, a, a book that I really enjoy, and we can talk about that at the end. But you know, for me personally, I've always found that I don't necessarily trust people who are not laden with contradictions. Um, you know, life is really messy. Nothing in life goes in a straight line. Nothing goes the way that you, you know, intended life to be. Right. So true. And. Um, you know, you've got all these unintended consequences and all this stuff that punches you in the face. And those kind of consequences, they reign supreme, right? They're, they're always there and they knock you down, but it's that ability to get back up and just keep pushing forward. So, you know, so true. Again, this matches even a message I've heard recently. And I know you're familiar with him. He's a good friend of yours. He lives right here in Utah with me is Sean Whalen. It's the same sure. thing. It's like, he's gone through so much mess but now that mess has become his message. Right, exactly. And yeah, it, it, it's similar. And I'm actually in a coaching program currently with Sean. And Such a good uh, man. yeah, and it is. I mean, what you have going on and what, you know, all the turmoil that you have in your life, whether it be an abusive parent or whether it be drug addiction or whether it be prison or whether it be uh, losing a business and, you know, losing your ability to practice your business or whatever it is, all that stuff really is who creates you. It, it, it's what creates the inner resolve inside of you. And it's really, what do you do after that? Right. How, how do you build so after that? And, so um, yeah. So 
Well, let's rock anyway. it out. Let's go right to yeah. the meat potatoes, my man. This background, by the uh, way, is so unique. That's why I wanted you to get this out. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, we're talking about the successes you've had and the money you made in real estate, but the whole point to get really out there, the message that I want to get out there, it was not easy. This guy has been punched in the face more times than he ever wanted to be punched in the face. But life continued to punch him in the face and he would get right back on the rhino and just keep charging. And that's what you have to do. You have to be persistent. You got to be determined. You got to be motivated. You got to hustle. You got to work hard because life will throw curveballs and life will punch you, but it's not meant to keep you down. It's meant to show you how to be tougher, how to be stronger. And this story right here is perfect, perfect evidence. So we're going to break it down now. Let's go right into this big mama deal that you just recently did. Yes. So my partner, uh, Chris Young, uh, uh-huh. who is a Love lifelong Chris. friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. And great guy. And we compliment each other in, in so many ways because he's really good at stuff that I, you know, am not good at and vice versa. Sure. So we, uh, we, and I do want to say too, that we do our business probably differently than a lot of people do out there. I've learned so much from Brent Daniels and the TTP program and so much through going through wholesaling Inc. and, and going through, you know, the mentorship with you guys and being involved yep. in the higher level groups. Um, you know, we've really been all in on your guys training mentorship. And oh, I have loved that relationship, by the way. Yeah, it's been awesome. And, you know, for somebody like myself, who, again, is, uh, you know, more advanced in my career, I have a lot of cash. Right? I got a lot of money. And so I use what I've learned at Wholesaling Inc. and and through TTP to really focus in on that art of consistently finding discount properties to purchase. Okay. And so what we typically do, what Chris and I do is we, I don't think we have never done an assignment, like a true assignment, every single property we have purchased. So we go in and we buy it. Now, Some properties we turn around and sell immediately, you know, like two days later kind of thing. Other properties, we will keep them and rent them out. Other properties, we'll keep them and turn them into uh, an Airbnb because I live in an area that's perfect for that. Other properties, we will fix and flip. And, you know, so I... Chris and I don't like fix and flipping, but we found uh, we've got a, a, a partner, Michelle Jacaloni, and uh-huh. she is our project manager and she's, you know, loves doing fix and flip properties. So and it's getting good, Chris, like just better and better. I noticed some of the things she's done, like from where she started and where she is now, she just continues yeah. to improve at her craft. Right. And Chris is constantly tutoring her and working with her and, you know, you know, shadowing her to help her build that knowledge base. But we built that business around her. We didn't want to do a fix and flip business, but we knew we had somebody who wanted to do it. And so this is a great, great nugget, too, for for folks out there that are building a business. I don't always focus on what, you know, I want to do. I focus on who I have in my stable and what kind of business can I build around that person that would be successful rather than, Hey, I'd really like to do this. No, Michelle wants to be a rehabber and she's very passionate about that. And she's very engaged in that process. I'm not Chris was not, but we said, you know what, let's put some money behind that and we'll peel off some of these properties that were wholesaling 
and you can fix and flip a few of them and we'll see how it goes. It's been a terrific revenue generator for us with not a lot of effort on our part. Mike, something key about this is you've used wholesaling really just to find, which it really is, is just to find the deeply discounted property. And then what you've done is find the best exit strategy for each property versus just pigeon sell, like pigeonhole into one one process, you really now are able to look at each property and say, okay, what is my maximum return on this investment? And you're able to just go forward. Does that sound correct? That's exactly it. And I'll tell you, it completely 100% dovetails with what we were talking about earlier about all this adversity and stuff. Push through that. Push through that stuff to get to where somebody like I, I am. I have the luxury of going in and if somebody, like we had an agent call us up not too long ago, maybe three, four months ago, had a realtor call us up and say, listen, I I got this listing. I just took the listing. This is on a Monday night. I just took the listing, but there's nothing I can do because the property is going to foreclosure on Friday. Wow. So four days, right? Four days. And there's no way I can put it on the MLS and get offers and whatever. She's got some equity in it. Would you be interested in buying it? And the only problem is we need you to rent it back to her. So we step in and four days we close that property and really got to close it on Thursday because you can't close it on Friday because that's when it gets foreclosed on, right? Yep. yep. So it's got to close on Thursday. So we find out about this on a Monday night. We have that property closed on a Thursday. <laughs> okay. So these are opportunities that when you're more advanced in your career and you push through those trials and tribulations – and you save up a war chest and you have money and you figure out how to legally source funds, you know, from other in- investors and things like that, that you can really maximize your profits, as you said. But you've yeah. got to push through the tough stuff because that is true. And as you push through that tough stuff, you get a bluer and bluer ocean because I can do things that other wholesalers cannot do. I so, love it. I love it. Well, how did you find this deal that we're going to talk okay. about? How, what did even come? How did you market it? Or is this the one you got from the real estate agent? Let's break it down step by step and let's help people realize if you do have money and you are a seasoned individual, you do have some money that you want to keep working for you. What is right. it that you did to find this deal? Okay. So what we did is maybe it's been about a year. We joined the TTT program um, with uh, Brent Daniels and you know, Chris and I were doing a lot of the calling and, you know, we kind of realized, hey, that's not really us either. Right. But we were doing the calling because we wanted to put in our time doing it, et cetera. And so we just kept kept at it. And then we hired a caller. So we got a caller in here and now she does the calls, et cetera. But we still follow up on them. This particular property was a four unit apartment complex. And this is from the tired landlord list. Okay. So this gentleman had owned the property for a very long time, and like so many small landlords, there is a lot of opportunity with small landlords because so many of these guys spend zero on CapEx, and they're living off of their capital expenditure budget. Uh, They do not fix up the properties. They don't rehab them when they should. Uh, They've got the leaky gutters and, you know. The busted down roof, just keep going ton, bigger and bigger. Tons of it. And so they're living off their R&M budget. But so many of these guys, especially when they get older, they start doing that. And that was a situation here. The property had been neglected. Um, it was worth, you know, 
fixed up, you know, it's probably really good margin, maybe 800 grand, you know, maybe 900. It was fixed up appropriately, but the property was a ramshackle. And so we found the property through a uh, TTP, purchased the property directly from the uh, landlord uh-huh. or the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we paid 350000 for the property. Again, we closed it, you know, buy the property, closed escrow on it. And the day we closed, we banged out our buyer's list, you know, with the emails and the uh, broadcast emails. And I think she does the, uh, uh, what is it, the, the text blast thing. Yeah. Um, now, wait, so before you even get to here, tell me this, because I'm interested in myself. On this one, did the 350000 make sense to this guy because he owned it free and clear and he just needed cash because he didn't have any and this this property obviously didn't have money to fix it up? What was the motivation behind it that was able to get you to purchase this at such a good good price? I think that he was he's in a situation where he just wanted to sell the property and he also wanted us to buy several other properties and he was just – I think he was just worn down. You know, sure. the tenants in a building like that are horrible, you know, as you can expect. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. got low rents, you're in not the best neighborhood. You know, it's it's the kind of situation where the guy should have sold the building 10 years ago and he yeah. didn't. Yeah. And so now he's at a point where he's like, you know what? I paid a hundred grand for the thing, you know, eons ago. I just, I, I just want to get rid of it. Sure. You know, okay. And okay. I don't think they're, you know, I wouldn't say the guy was super hyper motivated. He was just tired. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he just wanted to be done with it. So, so you sent out you your know, text we, blast to your cash buyers, sent out your email. What did yeah, that look like? What, well, I don't like to be bothered with open houses and showing properties and all that kind of stuff. So I, I run a really tight time frame. We did a half an hour open house. I had the staff there so we, you know people could get through the units and – you know, we do the open house at like 10 or 11 in the morning and then offers are due at two or three o'clock yeah. and that's it. And so, you know, we got offers in, we got seven offers on the property, six or seven offers on the property. And, you know, most of them were all cash and they were from decent buyers. And, you know, so we just took the offer that was the highest price with the best terms, uh, sold that property a little over, I think it was a little over 590000 that we sold that property for. Holy uh, moly! Yes. You put under contract for three fifty and sold this for close to six hundred. Right at 600000 just to air below. Holy smokes, holy smokes. Hold on, before you keep going, you know what's coming, brother. Hold on one second. All right, Mr. Mike Bullen, <laughs> hold on. You get this victory bell because I don't know... I'm trying to think in my head if we've had anything this size. And in my mind, I, I, I would feel bad if I personally haven't interviewed someone doing a deal this big. Tom might have. But I will tell you, that is one heck of a deal. What did you end up uh, right around ballpark make on this deal? We made just a hair under a quarter of a million on it quarter of a million dollars and how much time if you said okay from the start time when i talked to this individual to put it under contract to go into closing to doing the uh the showing because you own the property to now it's sold to this investor how many hours would you say was involved in this process gosh i would say all in everything maybe 30 hours 30 hours now i can promise your math is better than mine 
but a quarter million dollars in 30 hours, whatever that equates to, instead of just going down to the nitty gritty, it equates to a lot of money per hour. That is an incredible, incredible deal. And this is something that I wanted you on the podcast so bad because it's so unique. You guys do things so different. And you happen to be in a state where there's some great homes that when you think outside the box and when you when you can really truly take time to maximize your profits, you're in a state that allows you to make a good chunk of money in a very deep, like short amount of time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you, the prices here definitely are astronomical, but I will say that even if you're working in an area like, you know, Missouri or Kentucky or, you know, someplace that's very inexpensive, if you, you know, put your nose to the grindstone, save your money and build up a good reputation with, you know, folks that, you know, could potentially be uh, investors or hard money lenders, et cetera, you can do what we do. I mean, most of the deals that we get, have hyper, hyper competitive market. I mean, the San Francisco Bay Area is filled with real estate wholesalers. And it is not uncommon for us to have, you know, even with this property that we purchased, the apartment, I think he had three other offers on the property. But he went with ours because we had verifiable proof of funds. I told him, that we could advance, you know, the $350,000 purchase price into escrow with no contingencies, no inspections, no nothing, buy it, basically sight unseen. So, you you know, we have the ability to do that. It doesn't mean that other people can't get to there. But again, it's just, you know, staying with your process, building up your war chest. I'm sure that if I went to say, you know, Evansville, Indiana, where my ancestors are originally from, that, you know, I could probably do the same thing there. It would just be, you know, much smaller price points. But if you can sure. go in, swoop You're properties just going for up. More, more, uh, more deals. Try to do it at a, at a mass. Deals. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but, but having that ability to go in and say, hey, um, you know, we recently did a deal where Homevestors, you know, the We Buy Ugly Houses guy, had a uh, contract on the property. But, you know, they had a very long contingency period and all these things. I go in. No contingencies, 10000 non-refundable. Um, I could advance you money out of escrow if need be. So there's a lot of stuff that we can do to fight the wholesalers in our area. Yeah, you know, the speed and uh, convenient need, factor. Right. You Killer. go in, you sign your closing papers, and once you sign your closing papers, these five or ten grand to you um, that day uh, before we even close so that you, know, you can get your affairs in order, get a moving truck whatever you need to do. Um, so, Super you know, that's a lot more appealing, even at a lower price sometimes, uh, than what a typical wholesaler can offer. So in my market, because it's so competitive, we had to figure out how to, you know, cut through some of the other guys that we compete with in the market. Well, Mike, you have shared so much gold on this episode, but I still have to go for two more questions that we always ask on every podcast episode. And that's first and foremost, what book has been a game changer that you would like to share with Rhino Nation? I will give you a very short story on this. I have just launched a podcast called Mindset Squared with a guy who uh, I have admired for a long time. His name's Michael Cernovich, and um, he has a huge social media following. And we connected over my enjoyment of his book. 
And that's a whole other story. But he has a book out called Gorilla Mindset, which is like a Bible for me. It is a fantastic, fantastic book. Uh, there's been multiple people in the tribe that I have purchased and mailed that book to them and said, you know, read this, it'll change your life. And so Gorilla Mindset for men or for women is just a, you know, in the parlance of our times, it's a game changer. Love it. Love it. I have not read this book. That's going to be, I'm, I literally, when I push end on this podcast, I will be on Amazon ordering that book. So awesome, awesome, awesome. I love your passion behind that. The second thing is hindsight. Usually we have that 2020 vision here. We have new people just learning about wholesaling. We have people maybe that have never done a deal. And we also have people that are seasoned investors. But if you were to go back to the beginning, what words of advice would you give knowing what you know now? You know, I, and I've said this a couple times through the podcast, you are 100% going to get punched in the face. You've got to get up, dust yourself off and keep pushing forward. Um, you know, it's like that goofy little meme that you see sometimes, you know, on Facebook or whatever, where you got the two guys digging with the pickaxe and they're almost to the gold. And the one guy keeps going and the other guy turns around, you know, a couple inches from the uh, gold or diamonds. Yep. Yep. It, that, that is true. And you're going to face a lot of adversity and your story is not going to be my story and you'll have different adversity than me, but you have to push through that stuff. And it's really important that you get a mentor and, you know, connect with, you know, a group of people that know what they're doing, but push through the tough times to get to the better times because they're always right around the corner and have people on your side, mentors that can help you along the way. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Mike, I want to thank you so much. I know we've been talking about doing this podcast for quite a few months and I'm so grateful yes. I actually waited till this point. I feel like this was the right timing. This was the right season, the right place, and everything came together perfect. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hop on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast and share your wealth of knowledge. You've, you've seriously you've opened my eyes in so many ways, but I know there's so many listeners right now that are thinking, oh my goodness, I never even thought about doing real estate that way. So thank you so much, Mike. Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. Rhino Nation. Holy smokes. I don't even know what to say to end this podcast. I don't have anything to add to it or take away from it other than just listen to this podcast over and over and over again. Mike Bolin, this guy is a rock star, and I'm going to look forward to even six months down the road to do another follow-up podcast with this guy because he's so knowledgeable in real estate and, and thinks so much out of the box. He's not just thinking one way, but he really is thinking of how to truly maximize his profits, and you've heard so many of those ways today. And if you guys are looking to get into wholesaling where you can find deeply discounted properties, where you can find properties consistently every single month so that you can escape living paycheck to paycheck or simply like Mike, put your money to work. Go over to wholesalinginc.com, book a call with our team, and we would love to see if this might be a good fit. And if not, hey, it's all right. There's no, no harm, no foul. But I will tell you, what Mike said is crucial. Make sure you find someone that's doing it and get mentored and get help through the process so that you can get there quicker. Hope you guys have jotted down a ton of gold nuggets and I will see each one of you on the next episode. God bless and take massive imperfect action. Take care, guys. 
That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.